Alright, and howdy. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast, episode 4. This is your co-host, Rob White, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2014. Yeah, this is Roy May, Fighting Texas Aggie Class 2015, former yell leader, old milkman guy. <laughs> yes, <but> yeah. <laughs> I always love that. Well, hey, folks, we do appreciate you sticking around and listening to us BS about everything that we love and enjoy. And, of course, um, with everything else going on in our world, um, there are a few entertainments you know, that we're afforded. We're stuck listening or watching shows on Netflix, Hulu, um, various different platforms. And then, of course, sticking with music. And so that felt like a really good topic of discussion today. At least that was our discussion earlier this week. Well, yeah, I mean, I, man, I could sit here and kind of talk TV and movies. I've never been like the biggest movie guy. Like I'll sit around and watch movies, but I'm, I'm never the first guy to rush to theaters to see movies. I don't, I don't binge a lot of shows in general um, outside of my rack, uh, which which means I, I which means I hope I never have to binge shows again. But um, right, you know, I I kind of love what I love, but the stuff I watch is yeah you know, a little more old guy nerdy stuff. I love uh, you know the, the Smithsonian Channel, the military stuff, uh, Spy Wars with Damian Lewis. Uh, if you get the Smithsonian Channel, absolutely watch it. Damian Lewis is an actor. Uh, uh, he was in Dreamcatcher, um, right. but you probably know him as Lieutenant Winters. Okay. Um, from from Band of Brothers, uh, and I I will be completely honest. I did not know he's a Brit. Yeah. And yeah, so he's got the most perfect British accent, talking about um, you know international spy stories from the past, and it's a fascinating show. And he makes it so much better. On, you know, on top of this, the content that you understand what was going on in the in really the spy games of the Cold War and. And, uh, and, you know, I watch all the stuff, you know, talk about World War II. And, uh, but, you know, what? I'll quit nerding out because we're going to talk about music, not TV. <laughs> I, I'm about to say, I, 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 will, I will talk about uh, Cold War all day. I think it's such an interesting part of our history. Oh, yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, when it comes, like, I love historical stuff. I, 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 love, I love to learn. Um, and, you know, these are topics you know about, but you learn so much more, uh, you know, about it. And then uh, – if I had to just talk about TV shows that I that I actually do kind of keep up with, I am a Chicago PD nut. I've always right. been a Law and Order person. Um, so Dick Wolf, the producer, you know, uh, he's done all of those shows, and apparently they're even talking about doing a, a spinoff with Stabler coming up in the next year or so. Uh, so I, yeah, it's, I, I like crime dramas. Um, I'm, I'm kind of lame. I mean, I watch. Yeah, my wife watches Grey's, so which kind of sure. means I watch Grey's. Which, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and uh, this is us. Um, you know, that's another the Good Place. You know, those are shows that we all kind of watch. But uh, Good Place, fantastic show. Love that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's phenomenal. But I, but I, I would be it'd be like me talking about meteorology to you if I was trying to talk about TV shows because I just don't watch enough of them to have a real educated opinion. Other than I like the big, you know shiny you know noise box in front of me and i enjoy watching what's on it and whatever <laughs> yeah but it's safe to say that oh, we oh, have oh, pretty uh Al, stout Al, opinions Al, about music yeah yeah music absolutely uh, the other thing i actually enjoy watching is uh ellen's game show i can't remember what she calls it, it literally might right. be called ellen but um uh, you know you always watch game shows and yeah, I think. Well, I grew up watching uh, Nickelodeon. You know, you remember Double Dare? I, I think oh, yeah. they brought it back. I think they brought it back. But I was a huge Double Dare fan when I was a kid. I, I, I wanted nothing more in life than to be on that show. But <clears throat> I digress. Let's talk about something I actually won't sound like an idiot. Um, although, relative to you, this is still going to be apples and oranges, except for like little crab apples to like really nice oranges because you're a musician, <laughs> you know? And, right. You're, yeah. you, you're, you're currently a musician, um, whereas I've, I, you know, I've lived my whole life growing up around music. Right. My, you know, my mother teaches piano. She still teaches piano. Right. Um, you know, church choir, uh, high school choir. I was in band in middle school. Um, and, you know, they had like a little spinoff jazz band, so I, I was able to do that. I was a percussionist. Um, so, you know, our minds work differently. <laughs> <laughs> I live with the but, drummer, so I feel you. Yeah. So the well, and one thing I'm going to flip this towards you first. For those who don't know about your band, please tell us everything, like kind of music, you know, a little bit, a little bit how y'all met, and a little bit how y'all kind of ended up. Uh, whether it was 
from the start you knew what kind of music you were going to do or y'all just came together as musicians and you're like all right well i'm good at this you're good at that and you're like well he's better at the other one so shut up I, you know you never know how a band works <laughs> yeah so with my band so for those of you who don't know i play with a gentleman his name is jordan nix and we were originally known as jordan nix and the day drinkers um we've since nixed the day drinkers no pun intended there but uh get cleared that up for just uh more family hey, friendly hey, better opportunities uh, for that yeah and i think we've now maxed out our dad jokes for the podcast so stop that yeah <laughs> but yeah no so anyway so we, we cleared that one uh anyway so with jordan nix uh playing with his crew um i was actually the most recent addition to the band when i joined and still am to this day uh but I started playing with the boys in May of 2018. Uh, their former bass player uh, ended up leaving because they actually had won the uh, Battle of the Bands for um, uh, to actually play on the Texas Country Music Cruise that was going out of Galveston in September. And they were going to open for Reckless Kelly and Bart Crow on the boat. So, you know, that was a really cool opportunity for them. And, I love Reckless. You know, they needed a bass player. And so, uh, what happened was Robert Herrera, who is our electric guy, and our keyboard player at the time, who was Miles um, Novak, we actually all played in a separate band together uh, with a guy named Landon Evans. We played with him. Oh, man, I started playing with him, I want to say that fall before, like probably around August or so. Somewhere around there. Anyway, uh, so when I was playing with those guys, they were also starting to play with Jordan a little bit. We weren't getting a lot of shows scheduled. So eventually Robert and Miles both eventually officially defected over there. And <laughs> yeah, more or less. And nice, uh, nice, nice tie in with the Cold War spy games thing. Nice tie in. Very yeah, well. No, I thought so. But uh, <laughs> what ends up happening is I end up getting roped in as well. And uh, at that point, um, I was, you know, offered the position to play with the band. I wasn't sure how permanent it was going to be. But as uh, it has turned out, they liked me enough to keep me around. We did the cruise, and it was awesome. You know, I met a lot of great musicians on the boat. You know, I met um, Zane Williams when I was on the boat. We got to see William Clark Green. Uh, and just a number of great Texas country music guys out there. And so that That's was a really, really cool. cool opportunity. Yeah. yeah, so to meet all those folks. But yeah, uh, anyway enough of the origins here uh so we play kind of a blend of i would say texas country southern rock and i would say probably a little more americana than what most people are going to listen to now you know jordan our lead guy yeah he doesn't really have much of a country accent when he sings he doesn't rely on a lot of the country elements that a lot of other bands do we tend to lend more towards just electrics uh bass and then we do have other flavors on songs, so we'll throw a little banjo in there on one. We'll throw a little keys and synth on something else. So, you know, we do have a lot of different flavors, but at the same time, like for those of you who've been listening along uh, on our song Bye Bye, as well as my personal favorite that we play live, which is called 7,000 Miles, these are songs that are a little bit more heavy and they drive and, you know, lots of lead electric and all that good stuff. In fact, uh, Robert, when we play 7,000 Miles and Bye Bye Live, uh, has one of those wah pedals that he's playing on and just, you know, goes crazy with it. So it's a lot of fun for us. We really enjoy playing. Well, I mean, you're getting to do what you love. And, uh, you know, what's the old saying? You never work a day in your life. That's right. And, and you know, it's... You grow up and, and the jobs I think everybody wants to do you know, when they're kids, you know, this is what I want to be when I grow up. You, know, you want to be a professional uh, athlete. Um, you want to be a rock star. Right. And you want to be like president of the United States. And those are, you know, th think about when you were like five or six and you do like dress up day to see, you know, who do you want to be? And like, who did want to be a rock star at some point? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like who didn't want to be in a band, yeah. but, uh, but natural selection states that most people don't have musical talent enough to be in a band, um, which shouldn't discourage people from enjoying what they do. But when it comes to actually putting out music, you know, there's, you really talk about whittling uh, the talent pool down a little bit. And right. so, you know, that, that's, what's fun. And, and just from my perspective, I mean, I didn't know that story about, um, you know, going to play on the cruise. That's one of those things where, 
you know, like you said, you didn't know what kind of longevity you would have with the band, but right. you know, it's, it's, yeah, at some point I would assume it's rewarding because you're still there. Yeah, so absolutely. And, so, so check me, check me out. I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Well, I've met some really great musicians over my time, both play with him. And, uh, I did spend a good amount of time, uh, this past summer when we were taking a bit of a hiatus. Uh, so we focused on families, whatnot. Jordan had recently had, uh, his son, uh, with his wife. And so whenever they had the kid, uh, they wanted to focus a little bit more personal. I ended up playing a few shows over the summer uh, with uh, Jake Worthington, who was, you know, you remember that name. He was on The Voice. And so I actually made a lot of really good connections that way uh, with a lot of great musicians. Um, it ended up opening up for the likes of Aaron Watson. Uh, we opened for Roger Krieger a handful of times. So, you know, that was Dude, a really Aaron cool Aaron Watson and Roger Krieger, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, shared the stage with those guys, met their, you know, met their other band members uh just good dudes love being around them it was a really fun experience well so so what's the plans right now you know with everything going on i know you guys can still at least virtually record like you said you put on that show so kind of what's your next step with everything that's going on so right now i know that we are still trying to get our the rest of our album done uh so we do have a new album we were planning to release this year um part of our problem is our uh, situation with our recorder, um, you know, a recording studio uh, up in Fort Worth. Uh, they are not mixing right now because of everything going on. Um, so we are currently um, more or less still writing some songs in the meantime. Uh, looks like there's new things that are coming out every day. I mean, Jordan will post, you know, a video on YouTube or, you know, I, I'm sorry. He primarily posts them to like Twitter um, Facebook and those things get a lot of views. Um, and looks like he's, he's generating a nice little social media following and that's really cool. So, and we've been increasing in our social media numbers and our Spotify numbers. Uh, I mean, I'll say that at one point we were down at about 6,600 monthly listeners. Now we're over 9,000. And so that was really kind of cool for us. Um, getting to see that continued growth, uh, with our numbers and our band, and so that's pretty cool. And, and a lot of good followers coming along with us, too, so that's really neat. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you to plug, you know, where can everybody listen to your music? Right. Of course. Well, it's like anytime you want to check us out, we are on all social medias. Uh, so, you know, Spotify, I mean, we're on Spotify and iTunes, Apple Music, I mean, you know, Apple Music um, Google Play, all that fun stuff, anything you're looking for. Uh, we are on all platforms, and you can definitely give us a listen. Our new single "Bye Bye's Out," it's it's a fun one. It it bumps. It has a good time with it. <laughs> it bumps. I, I like it, dude. It's solid. Um, yeah, so all right, so so we'll kind of segue that. And again, I'm talking with a musician about music, so hopefully right. I don't end up sounding like a doofus. But just off the top of your head, I mean, I know what your band plays, but kind of what what's your like, what was your motivation to play bass, and what's your, like, not just a specific, like, bassist, but, um, you know, almost like the genre of music that got you into it. Because I know, for, like, I, I never played bass guitar, but I know the first bassist I ever knew of was Jason Newstead, because I was a kid, and I loved Metallica, um, and I loved his haircut, too. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but, like, what got you into bass? Yeah, so, um, you know... I was one of those weird ones. I actually started on bass. I didn't start on guitar. Um, I, you know, much like you, I was in a middle school band, right? And I was playing saxophone and, you know, saxophone was fun and I love playing sax. But by the time I got up to high school, I wanted to kind of expand my musical reach. Um, and do what you happened still was, have a saxophone? Do you still have a saxophone? I do have a saxophone. It's a tenor sax. Do you still play it at home every once in a while? I do every once in a while. I have to dust it off a little bit, but, you know, I, I use it. How, how hard have you been lobbying Jordan to make some sort of saxophone solo in one of your songs? So, believe it or not, they did uh, mention a couple times, hey, we should try to stick one in a song at some point. I just got to find a good one to stick it in. I'm thinking if we can get something funky, we could throw one on a track. But, yeah, that's going to be our best route. <laughs> That's that's pretty hilarious. All right, so sorry. Back to back to yeah, the basis. Yeah. 
So you're expanding your musical kind of yeah. um, knowledge and genre uh, sans saxophone. Yeah. So what really got me into it was um, our youth praise team needed a bass player. Yeah, you know, we had they had a guitar, they had a drum. You know, they had another girl that was also singing songs, but they needed a bass player. And I started interacting with our bass player from the main church. Um, his name's Randy Culver. Incredible man. Um, actually gifted me a bass about a year ago. And it's awesome. Love it to death. But uh, Randy and I, he sat down and more or less showed me the basics and showed me, hey, here's what a chord structure looks like. Here's how these songs go. And gave me the song books. And then I started playing with the youth praise team. But then I would also split time playing with the main praise team, too. So I was that's what really got me into playing bass more. And then by the time I got to the singing cadets, uh, here at A&M, they needed a new bass player. They knew I played bass, and so I played bass um, yeah, three of my four years in the group. And I, yeah, I was the bass player for the group. And really, after that, I played a little bit in church, but didn't really do anything until about 2017 when I started really getting into bands outside of the church. But I can easily, I will tell you, as far as bass players that are a big influence on me, uh, as you mentioned, Jason Newstead is a great guy. Another bass player from that band, from, you know, back in the day, is Cliff Burton. Cliff Burton, yeah. Cliff Burton, Mother of Pearl. You got to go back, and if you haven't seen some of his older videos from, like, the, you know, early 80s when he was still playing, and, oh my gosh, that dude was a virtuoso. He can make yeah. that thing sing. Yeah, it's such a unique instrument when you think about it. Because as a, a guitarist, whether you're like a lead or an acoustic, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways. Of, first and foremost, obviously, you have more strings. Right. And the, the ridiculously, insanely talented people playing 12-string guitars just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think what, to me, what always made the bass so... Uh, just so powerful was the fact that you're dealing, dude, you're dealing with four strings, man. Mm -hmm. And, and you have guys out there who are able to, what is it? Uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix had the walking bass. You know, it's really when you started to see a kind of a, you know, in, in old, you know, in oldies and always you go back a little bit further, the upright bass drove a lot of music. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it kind of ended up blending into the back. And then, I mean, if you're kind of a music guy, you can really hear, you know, how the bass is, is moving moving along you know it's really the bass guitar and the drums that that drive the song no matter what the song is what the tempo what the genre doesn't matter the the bass and 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 the drums i always felt were the ones that that drove the song it didn't matter the song right and uh, and so that i was always fascinated with like i've there have been plenty of times i've gone into places like guitar center and you know other places that used to be around I'm trying to remember with some of the older ones like was it sam goody or something like that right. they have bass guitars on the wall i just plug in and, and, and pluck around you know i'm <laughs> fortunate enough to be musical enough to kind of uh, you know in the bass for a beginner it's simplistic enough to be able to find with you know finding frets and find a sound and i'm uh, I, I'm real fortunate just literally growing up my entire life around music and most of it classical piano but pitch um, is I'm, I'm not bad at pitch so it's it was fun to be able to play and slap around yeah I've, I've, I've pretty pretty decent I, I would maybe say above average pitch right uh, <laughs> we put it nicely but um, but uh, yeah I know I always love the bass guitar it's it's something where and, and I'm a big Rush fan, and we're going to talk about our favorite Ooh, band yeah. uh, at the end of this music thing. But, uh, yeah, Rush is a big one. So relative to music, sure. here's kind of where I fall on the spectrum. And first and foremost, I'll tell you right now, I can't think of a genre I really don't like or can at least appreciate. Uh, I think that comes from just kind of being a musician in my whole life and being around right. music. Uh, I, I appreciate every kind of music, minus maybe like that weird Swedish death metal stuff. <laughs> Man, yeah, the Scandinavian countries and their death metal is really, really weird. And I tell you yeah. what, if you ever, if you've never heard it, join the army, get deployed, and go into a weight room with one of the infantry guys, and you will hear it at some point. Um, but so I started off, uh, you know, and, and I have two older sisters. And so I, you know, I, and that's kind of where my love of Rush started because we were rocking LPs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I love Rush, um, Van Halen, 
Van Halen Fifty One Fifty is still probably one of the top twenty albums ever. Um, uh, but then I got to where I, I liked I liked Guns and Roses and and I like Metallica. So that's really where my music started. And then you know as as I you know start, kept you know kept growing up. I was growing up in Texas, so I, I got in the country. But you know my golden age of country was you know Clint and Garth and and uh, okay. uh, you know Clay Walker was like. 15 years old at that point, you know, put out, it's what it felt like putting out records and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then you get introduced in some of the old stuff. And I grew up with my granddaddy and we drive around the back roads of Gilmer, Texas. And, you know, he had one radio station there, two radio stations that came in. One of them was gospel, like the gospel church station. The other one was just old, old, old country. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of that steel, that kind of that steel can country. And, uh, and I remember thinking, uh, it's my granddaddy. I love him, so I'll listen to it. And it's funny how I morphed to where I really appreciate that. Right. But uh, so I started with rock, and I kind of moved to country. Um, but at the same time, like when I was in high school, you know, Dre and Snoop and like House of Pain and all this kind of weird, you know, rap, uh, right. it's, you know, it was was all over you know, the charts. And so I started to really appreciate that. Then you get in the army, it's like anything else. You know, your taste for food, you, you get to learn, holy crap, I'm, I'm in a squad with a guy from Boston, and I've never had New England clam chowder, and holy crap, I love it. So right. this is awesome. So you start to listen to all this other stuff. Um, I And I'll tell you right now, I love the symphony. Um, I, right. I I love classical music. I love Broadway. I love opera. Um but uh, I also really, really love Slipknot. <laughs> you know, I, I oh, you yeah. know, I like Megadeth. I, uh, you know, I, I, you talk about, uh, you know, anything that's that's on the radio right now is isn't the worst. I, I will tell you right now, I love, I just adore Megan Trainer. Sure. Um, uh, you know, I like pop stuff. Pink, you know, Pink's first album came out when, right. when I was younger. Um, she's, she's a little wild, but, um, yeah, it's just, so there's, I mean, I'm a huge Michael Buble and Harry Connick Jr. fan. I've loved Harry Connick Jr. forever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the, I love the big band stuff. I have a bunch of Glenn Miller CDs. So when it comes to music, I am all over the place, but the one thing I will say is I have a ridiculous bank of oldies in my head. Right. Um, and, you know, what's the old saying? You know, if they put textbooks to catchy music, we'd all be geniuses. Um, <laughs> but so I liked oldies a little bit. You know, I like the Beach Boys and stuff. I used oh, to right. go search through my dad's old record collection and play stuff. And then uh, my dad, so growing up, we needed to re-roof the house. And right. the only way we could really, aff- it had to be done, but the only way we could afford it is if we did it ourselves. So my dad and I re-roofed our house at home. And uh, we had wood shingles, and we put wood shingles back on. And my dad worked, you know, I've talked about how early he woke up and how late he got home. So really, we only worked the weekends. It took my dad and I a year, a year to roof our house. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but, we, yeah, we saved money. So there's that. There's no, no, no time value money, none of that stuff. You know, money value time. We didn't do that analysis. Right. But, uh so we had so back in the day they were Sony Discman, Discman, Walkman. They were yellow. They uh, were kind of yeah. they were sport. Yeah, they were they were sports, so they could be out in the weather. They could get rained on, and they were kind of the first of their kind. Right. And we had this little yellow yellow Sony um, jam box uh, uh, that we would bring up, you know, up on the roof when we were working. And I I, I can't exist in life without music. I I just you know, I need noise in the background, whether right. it's something I'm desperately listening to or something that happens to be on the background that when I lose focus of what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, yeah, sweet. And my dad made a mandate. And this is mm-hmm. Colonel Retired Roy May. Right. This is Roy, Roy Sr. And there were two things I was allowed to listen to, oldies or Aggie sports. Okay. I mean, I that's guess it. that's a fair compromise. <laughs> yeah. So, so my – yeah, you know, for a year of, of my life growing up on the weekends, it was either Dave South or, you know, Little Richard and the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, and just the Righteous Brothers. And, oh, and you get you get well, you get to where you really love it. And uh, maybe it's like the Chinese water torture venture. You're like, hey, you know, at least I'm staying hydrated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So <laughs> but 
but I, I really got to where I, dude, anything from pretty much Glenn Miller on, I am, I'm down. I love it all. I uh, got really big into kind of classic rock, uh, a little bit after kind of what my dad likes. My, my dad's a Vietnam vet. So, right. you know, a lot of the, you know, the hippie rock and all that stuff that he hated back in the day, he can appreciate now. But right. you know, when I was growing up, he was still an angry dude when it comes to like those little jerks, dra- you know, dodging the draft. And I get it, man. The dude went to Vietnam and got two purple hearts. It's okay to be pissed off if people not say, going. It, it was a whole, whole different time there, man. Yeah. A whole different time. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, we, we kind of we enjoy it all, and um, yeah, and I still I when it when it comes to to rap, I still prefer to listen to the old stuff I grew up with. You know when, uh, you know, I loved N.W.A. Um, sure. Uh, you know, I, I love Dre. I love Cube when he broke off. Um, yeah, that's all that stuff is. I I grew up because those dudes are my age. Right. So while while they certainly weren't talking about anything I was going through, I I just. I love the music, man. It's just, it's something, uh, something so phenomenal about, and, and I think you can tell, especially when you're a musician, but realistically, I think you can tell as a casual, you know, person just loves to listen to music, it, you know, it's, you can tell when the artists are in it for the music and you can tell when they're in it for the money. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest, you know, that's one thing that I will always appreciate over anything else, you know, any genre, any whatever. If you write something, anything, and it has meaning and purpose and and just care within the lyrics and you know that that, that person is either experiencing that pain or they had that life experience or they feel this way, you can appreciate that. No matter what the genre, no matter what the style of music, I can appreciate that. And, you know, you see across other genres and, you know, we'll get into you know, my musical choices eventually. But, you know, you look at some of the things that I'm going to say that I don't particularly care for. And it's going to be things that don't have a lot of depth musically. Yeah, I was, about, I, was, I was about to say, I, say I, I said earlier, I like every genre. I would like to exclude Nashville country. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, look, I, I'll, I'll die on that hill, man. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's all prefab garbage. It's closer to pop than it is to country. Right. And it, it, it's like the American Idol era of country music, where we're just mm-hmm. pumping out these people that, you know, they fill the show with contestants that uh, either look, you know, the part, right. or they have the story to be the part. Mm-hmm. But the story is normally, you know, partial BS, and and I would rather you be like Garth Brooks, who honestly was always about a quarter or so sharp every time he sang, because that's just where his pitch and where he is. And it's one that I used to love to sing, Garth Brooks, and he's just a well, just a smidge high on the pitch range. But man, Garth got after it. And I understand like these it didn't like old country. These guys aren't sitting there, you know, George didn't write all his you know, songs, and I no. get that. But but the sound, you know, the sound was more country. And the sound now that coming out of Nashville is just hot garbage doo-doo there there doesn't need to be snap tracks in country music no there does not (laughs) but that's that's we could spend two hours just being mean about that so i'll tell you probably where my nashville country uh what was your cutoff for it i would probably say kenny chesney's first album ever that's fair i'll give you kevin i'll give you kenny because I, I, you know what I I loved Kenny Chesney when he came out. I was like, dude, it's fresh, but he's still country. This is fun. Um, and then he put out nine more albums that literally sounded the exact same. Right. Or nineteen more albums. I don't know. He's got a million albums. They literally right. just all sound the same. And he's got a cowboy hat on with like a sleeveless, stupid, like <laughs> light blue shirt. Right. And it's just it's this. Like bedazzled jeans, garbage, Mm -hmm. just a hot mess. And it's, please, no, just please don't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I believe that every every genre of music, every subgenre of music has its place and has, you know, know, all those fun things about it. Even even what we would like to call bro country. And I think pop country versus bro country are two separate things, but they're the same thing. 
I think they're about the same thing, and they do have a place. And you know where it is? It's in that green can I put on the street every Monday morning. <laughs> That's about where that crap goes. And I'm really sorry if you like it. I'm sorry, man. Right on. And, and again, these are opinions. And if you got a different one, right on. If you love so, it, yeah. rock it. Dude, dude, if you love it, rock it, man. I don't care. I have some of my dearest friends love the band Fish. And Fish is the most doo-doo garbage overhyped band <laughs> in the history of mankind. All right? They're not it's good. Like, it's like Primus. Like Primus Ooh. is awesome because Primus is ridiculous. Yes. Primus isn't good musically. No. Well, the bass is kind of cool. Like well, the Les, Les Claypool is incredible. Right, but the music is terrible. Yeah, the music's and, awful. Know, and dude, I would still wear a T-shirt if it said "Sailing the Seas of Cheese." Man, I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. So, all right. But yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah, we yeah that yeah the bro country and pop country go on Monday because on Wednesdays we recycle and there's some music that maybe we can recycle and use parts of it. No, no, the bro and pop country go on Mondays just straight to the dump. Just put them right in the trash can. It's, yeah, there's nothing recyclable about it. There's nothing. No, yeah. There's a great video on YouTube if you've never seen it. And basically, this guy took six bro country songs, mashed them together, and they work so well. It's ridiculous. It's like they were written by the same people, which they were, but still, it's so funny how well they all lined up together. And I'll send it to you afterwards, and we'll probably, I'll tell you, yeah, what, I'll link it. I'll link yeah, it on you it. on Twitter whenever we post this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So as far as my musical taste, um, you know, you, you talk about a lot of classic rock and a lot of oldies, and I can appreciate all that. I listen to. Um, probably an off amount of musicals growing up because my dad was a choral person. That's like, I'm a I person. love Broadway. Broadway rocks. Love Broadway. Yes, absolutely. Well, not all Broadway. Most Broadway. The overall majority of Broadway is outstanding. Yeah. So, you know, I, we would listen to Cats. We would listen to Phantom of the Opera. You know, we listened to all those things. It lay Miz and whatever. Phantom and, oh gosh, yeah. Phantom. Specific and... I, I got to tell you, Phantom of the Opera is going to always hold a special place for me because the misguided tenor that never gets the girl, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is I'm not completely deformed. So there, there's, yes. that, there's that. Okay, so, so things are looking up for you. That's good. Yeah, yeah, you know, plus, <laughs> yeah, plus side. But, I mean, so fun, fun little aside to that, my uh, senior year of high school – we, uh, I ended up getting sucked into three separate acts at the talent show that year. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure you were really fighting. They'd be like, oh, no, please. Okay. Right. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, you know, I ended up playing uh, Tribute by Tenacious D with a buddy of mine. I ended up singing a four-piece um, acapella thing with another group. And then I sang a duet with one of my really good friends, Rhiannon Harden. We did uh, the Phantom of the Opera duet. And so she's she's doing Christine's parts. I'm doing the Phantom's parts. I came walking out. I'm wearing a full black suit, had the cape, the mask. Oh, it's great. And we ended up taking second place. Dude, dude, that's big balls in Cowtown to go after that one. Hey, yeah. I mean, I I got the note. She got, she nailed it. I don't know how, but she nailed every one of those notes. She was on it. It was awesome. I had uh, I, I didn't sing in a lot of acapella groups, but I did have an opportunity one time to sing uh, uh, "End of the Road" uh, with Boys to Men, and nice. it's probably not very surprising. I'm a bass too, um, right? And uh, and dude, it's just and I, you know, I love Boys to Men growing up too. You know, you talk yeah, about another great. one of those love them. mega bands that was in my that was in my era, but were also awesome. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it's good. Um. So at this point in time, uh, so like I said, a lot of choral stuff, and that was a big influence on me. Uh, my first CD that I ever purchased, and I, you know, this this defines the era. This was 2002, 2003. I bought Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, and that was my oh first my. CD purchase. Oh my! Oh my! And so. Hybrid Theory. Lincoln Park, what? Lincoln up? Park, you know, uh, Chester Bennington, you know, rest in peace. That guy, to this day, is probably one of my all-time favorite singers. I mean, he had the range, huh. a range that I still hit really well. 
and I loved his attitude on stage. I loved his stage, I mean, just stage presence, everything about the man. He was one of my all time favorites and I'm just so bummed. I'm sure I could come with a stronger word than that, but I'm just, I was devastated the day that he passed away. You know. No, yeah, it's uh, there's, <clears throat> yeah, and there's a difference between uh, a musician and a and a performer. Right. And I wasn't the biggest Lincoln Park fan on the planet, but sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, um, so yeah, I enjoyed you know I enjoyed a little Lincoln Park, of course, and I listened to that all the way up, and then I started really expanding my musical taste. Um, I mean, obviously, I listened to lots of classic rock because that's what my dad did. Uh, grew up on mostly ACDC and, you know, Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd. My dad's a huge Pink Floyd guy and, and the Beatles. I, yeah, I'm a – I like Floyd. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of where, you know, some people you – know, you have to draw the line in the sand. I can't sit and listen to Floyd for three hours. I like Pink Floyd, but, yeah, it's it's just a different kind of music. Yeah, it really is. Um I, I do Zeppelin, and mm-hmm. I, I, that's one of those things where they always say, you know, if you could pay a thousand dollars to go back and see anybody live, who would it be? And I, I mean, that's tough because if you were going to pick specific shows, you're like, you know, you'd love to see, you know, uh, one of the classic Beatles shows where they bring the house down. Right. Or, That'd you know, be really talk, cool. There's a lot of specific shows you'd love to be able to go back and see. But, if you had to give me man. one show, one show that I would go back and be in attendance for, it would probably be 1989 Metallica in Seattle. If you've well, ever seen, dude, ooh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I'll never forget. I think it was the Grammys, and uh, it was when Metallica came out with their Black album, <clears throat> and uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the presenter said, "And the winner is." And you probably look back and find this. The announcer said, and the winner is, because she had no idea who they were, really. Right. She goes, Metallica by, oh, Metallica. (laughs) That's how they, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, wow is a word. Um, That's great. But it's. I mean, they were still kind of underground then. I mean, they still weren't huge yet. Well, yeah. No, that album absolutely put them on the map. And then everybody went. Everybody went back and bought all the albums that we already had, like Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All and all the Garage Days, all the good stuff. Oh yeah. But uh, um, man, that that was such a cool era, and I remember uh, I remember when Ozfest first started up, and right. and some of the man, some of the lineups that they had. It's like, you know, people like to piss and moan here and there about Chili Fest lineups. And it, dude, it is what it is. People are touring now, and there's and tours have just they become so big that you have these big artists and names that you know like they got really big and they don't have time to swing through snooks sometimes right they can't get it on their schedule but man if you look at some of those earlier uh chili fest lineups i mean yeah, willie be, nelson was there yeah just be just be fortunate for the ones you got to see yeah you know i mean hell, so I mean, like you know, I, you know zz top was supposed to be there but you did they have their situation but. yeah like i i went to uh um willie nelson's family picnic and in, in the woodlands was that uh cynthia Cynthia Woods or mm-hmm. Mitchell Pavilion or whatever it is, um, years and years and years ago, and because uh, I'm old enough to where I can have that third years on there, um, <laughs> and uh, and obviously Willie was there, but the act before Willie was Dwight. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. Oh gosh, what was the uh, who's the the artist that sings Strawberry Wine? What's her name? Um, Ooh, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Um, yeah, be, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about though. I, I, she, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. Like she was, she was like the second or third act on. Like that's how right. booked this stuff was. And this was right when that song had really kind of come out and blown up. Right. Um, but just man, it, it's amazing when you look back at some of the lineups and unfortunately what's happened with the Ticketmaster stuff and agents and all this other crap right. that make these huge awesome festivals almost impossible to put on without making the ticket you know 1,500 bucks. Right. It was so, Deanna yeah. Carter. Deanna Carter, yeah, Deanna I remember Carter. she came out. Yeah, she came out, and I remember she was barefoot. <laughs> yeah, she was barefoot, and she, and she and she said, "Man, just every single one of them was so awesome." And and you, you know, you look back at you know what a lineup like that would cost for you for a ticket. Like we sat on the we sat on the lawn. I mean, funny story about it. I'll never forget this. Uh, we were out on the lawn, um, you know, drinking these those neon margaritas, whatever right. they are. I think they, you know it's slushy you know margarita mix tequila and i think they open up a highlighter and drop it in nice but um 
but I remember we're sitting there and Dwight just kills it. This was right when he, uh, he had just covered, uh, uh, it'll come to me. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, and so Dwight finishes and, uh, we're sitting there on the hill and we're like, this was like weed out here because Willie's (laughs) coming out we look over and there's this, there's this couple, this husband and wife, and they gotta be, you know, 65 years old and they're just sitting there just puffing away. And, uh, and we're like, um, Hey, you you realize everybody can kind of smell that. And, and he goes, dude, it's Willie, man. You want one? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, I will tell you, my first weed experience, like ever smelling it, you know, at least what I can recollect. Um, we were in Los Angeles, California with my family. Uh, and we went and watched the Rolling Stones at Dodgers Stadium. Yeah, and, Chavez Ravine. Mm-hmm, and there was a the opening band uh, was some kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna say R and B. They were something. It was like a large group of folks out there on stage, and they they killed it. It was a great show. And we waited for about oh god, like the intermission was easily like 45 minutes to an hour before uh, the Stones came on. But the best part is. Um, you know, whenever the Stones came on the main stage, they killed the lights. And when the lights went down, all of a sudden, there was this aroma in the air that I'd never smelled before. You know, I'm like, oh, this is 06. So I was like, maybe, oh, God, well, 0506. I'd have been 8th, 7th, 8th grade. So I didn't know any better. And I'm looking at Dad, and I go, what's that smell? And Dad looks at me and goes, that was the right answer. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it now you know being in a band and being around bands you know it's yeah you know, it's everywhere so you're just you're just kind of used to it now but well and, and even like with texas country i mean you talk about willie Whalen and the boys okay you know, it's funny we look back we're like man they're such great texas country and this and that like dude they sat around and smoked a lot of weed yeah no kidding and like all you got to do is go back and listen to the lyrical content and everybody nowadays looks at like a co-wetzel or a whoever and says i don't know why these guys swear and talk about weed and i'm like go back and listen to every single guy coming up they did the exact same damn thing yeah if you could quit clutching the pearl so much and just listen (laughs) exactly but I, I think they have a lot of bias just because it was their age and their time. So they just didn't really pay attention. But Well, and I think what probably one of the most telling parts of all of it is, and this was years ago, but wasn't there a video of like Snoop and Willie smoking? And, and like Willie passed Snoop um, <laughs> like a joint and it just floored him. And Willie's like, I've been smoking like this for five decades. Right. <laughs> no, Willie's like the, the OG country hippie, man. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is, man. Pigtails pig and, and a long road. Yeah, I will say, but, I absolutely loved him in a, you know, just kind of as an aside here, but I thoroughly enjoyed him in a, the uh, Dukes of Hazard movie when he played Uncle Jesse. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, he did such a good job. I loved it. <laughs> I, goodness grace, I forgot about that. Yeah, it had Jessica Simpson was uh, was Daisy Duke. And, nice. Whew, that was a all right. So I guess we gotta get the point. Favorite bands, and nobody's wrong. Uh, but again, obviously, unless you say Fish, in which, right. which case you, <laughs> you're probably wrong, or 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 you were doing acid way before your peers. If you're a big no, Fish no. fan. Mm-mm. Yeah. Not me. Swear to God. Um, fingers to God. <laughs> so, well, b- before we do that, uh, I, I want to touch on this top top guitarists of all time, and I normally I I, I have I have three that I go okay. to, um, and, but the problem is is I don't rank them. Right. So, but I want to hear you first. Oh man, my top three guitar lead, players. not bass. Oh, oh yeah, no, obviously no. Yeah. I love I love bass. Yeah, you bass no. you, you you bass guitarists get no love. That's yeah, it's okay. I'm used to it. It's, <laughs> at this point in time. Fair oh enough. man, I will say probably oh man, if I had to get uh probably my top three, if I had to give you probably Eddie Van Halen's got to be up there for me. All right. Um, I would say him. 
Oh, and I would say probably Jimi Hendrix is definitely okay. in the top three there. And then, uh, and it's tough picking a third. I mean, and uh, I know, like, just for me personally, I love Kirk Hammett from Metallica because I mean, you know, Hammett. People make fun of him because he loves to use the wah pedal, but, I mean, the dude knows what he's doing, and he's been shredding metal for nearly, dang, nearly 40 years now. So, that dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Man, Hammett, yeah, that dude could just, well, still does. I could. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, my my top three, and they always have been, and, and there are obviously people out there that can shred, and there are people that, you know, are just so talented acoustically and, and a right. lot of people um you know have the kind of a, like santana is what he is oh, he, yeah. he can play Incredible. lead he can play acoustic but my top three will always be Jimi hendrix eric clapton and stevie ray Vaughan. yeah and they're all three great between the three of those they could literally play any song that you wanted them to mm-hmm. um and i and i think a lot of it just really has to do with you can hear their soul kind of pouring out of the strings when they play. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever get a chance to watch old Stevie Ray Vaughan, like live videos, you can see, like, and, and saying with Jimmy and Clapton, all three of them, they, they just, that, that guitar becomes an extension of their soul and their mm-hmm. thoughts. And, and the music shows that. And, and look, dude, Hammett and uh, you know talk about like like what's his name uh Luca Strickinoli um you know the the crazy acoustic guy you know they're they're so talented and they're so awesome but uh, man those three they're they'll be to switch between you know really any kind of you know within what they were playing you know from speed to slow to ballad and really still drive it home and mm-hmm. and just the, the way they were able to change you know harmonies tunes tempos it's just all of it so I, those are my three. I'm neither yeah. right nor wrong, but I'm probably mostly right. Hey, they're, they're all three great. All three great guitar players. And there's okay. no okay. debate in that. Okay, so now you have to decide your favorite bands. Oh, man, I could tell you my favorite bands pretty quick, honestly. Yeah. And the only you reason I can three? tell you is... You, you want to do three or... Yeah, we can do three. <clears throat> three or five, I don't know. Oh, man, if I had to give you three bands... Um, I would say probably my three bands that probably have had the biggest influence on my life up to this point. Uh, Metallica, because Metallica is what got me into really wanting to play. Watching old videos of them jam and just shred. and yep, That was more or less what even set me down the path. Um, number two, I would most definitely have to tell you, is probably my favorite band of all time. And that's a band called Red, and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them, but Red is a, they're kind of a Christian metal band, Um, and melodically, they're so incredibly hard to beat, and they've got great, you know, they've got great tones, they've got great music, Um, and Michael, the lead singer, um, that guy, he has really, really pretty singing voice, he can scream, he can hit you hard with anything else, it's just, it's great music and so that's why they will forever and always be one of my all-time favorites and then a third one and it's a little obscure for a lot of people and yeah that's safe, totally fine with me safe fish and this podcast is over <laughs> forever it's, uh, it's a band called explosions in the sky and i'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. i have yes so explosions in the sky for those of you who have never heard of them basically was the entirety of the Friday Night Lights soundtrack. Those guys are originally from Midland, Texas. Um, mostly instrumental. It's what they like to call quote-unquote post-rock. But um, mostly instrumental guitar, but it's great, melodic, and it speaks to me more than most songs do with their lyrics. So I would say those are probably my three favorite bands of all time. There you so go. How about you? Uh, well, two of them are real easy right off the top of my head. I am a diehard Led Zeppelin guy. Right. Um, I am a diehard Rush guy. Love Rush. Uh, Zeppelin is so classic and everybody knows Zeppelin songs. And while Stairway will forever be one of the greatest songs literally ever penned in rock. Right. Um, if not music, you know, it. you know, in West Point, uh, freshman or, or plebe English, they actually do a paper analyzing the lyrics of Stairway to Heaven. Nice. Um, yeah. But uh, 
you are missing out on so much of Led Zeppelin if you're not listening to the tracks that you don't know. It just such it's one of those things. Like if you're a Floyd fan, you can listen to Floyd from wake up to to, to bedtime. Right. Um, I I can do the same with Zeppelin. Um, Rush, I was one. I I just I love it. Getty Lee, such a unique voice. So talented. You know their music, their tempo. Uh, their change in tempo and time, which is, is what made Neil Peart ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, third band is kind of tough for me. Because, uh, dude, I really love the Beach Boys. <laughs> Beach Boys are great. You know, um, I, you know I, I love the Beatles uh, from from their inception on through their yellow submarine days. I thought that stuff was hilarious. Yeah. Um, more, more than it was musically good. I thought it was hol- musically hilarious. Right. Um, man, I'd be, you know, I probably have to say Metallica is my third band just because how much I grew with them either. I'd love to say guns and roses, but when Axl Rose started getting weird, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like that, what was those album, like spaghetti incidents, like bro, <laughs> This man, just go back to shredding with Slash and stop being a weirdo. Yeah. Um, side as sidebar, if anybody can, anybody knows this band, they're still around, or if anybody remembers it, please, um, uh, please send me or send the podcast Twitter a DM and tell me. I was in, uh, I was at Fort Benning and I was done with Airborne School and waiting. Uh, to, to go to my first duty station, so you're called a holdover. Mm-hmm. And really all it means is you just sit around, and if the drill sergeants need help during the day, you help them out. Otherwise, you're just kind of whatever. Right. And, uh, uh, and and I was of age. So I mean, on the weekends, <laughs> I, you know, on the weekends, I go out and have a beer, and uh, or yeah. all of them, one or – yeah. And uh, I went to this place uh, in downtown Columbus, and they had live music. And it was a Guns N' Roses cover band. Well, not cover band per se, but uh, they did a ton of GNR. Right. But it's somewhat like blue, like bluegrass. Like they did a ton of bluegrass, but they did this just some of the most amazing covers of, of Guns N' Roses. And the lead singer was uh, he called himself Black Soul Rose. <laughs> um, like, but it was. He sounded just like Axl Rose. It was the most fascinating thing I've ever heard in my life. And I remember, I mean, I, I think I bought a shirt. I bought a CD. Um, and I stuck around for the whole show. People were like, oh, let's go to another bar. <laughs> See you back at post. I'll get my own cab. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if, man, somebody, somebody out there has got to know about Black Axl Rose and his GNR covers. Um, but, uh but yeah, it's yeah, but but it's it's tough to to pick a third kind of favorite because those two were always um, so big. It, you know, you t- I talk about Metallica because they were really kind of my first favorite band. Right. So I mean, I guess I'd have to defer to them. But I love Nirvana, but that band was cut short. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. I would say probably you know, now that you mentioned Nirvana, I would have to say probably my close fourth that is sitting right outside that top three is probably Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You talked about that last one, last I mean, cast. Just because Dave Grohl is just such a universal talent. And not to mention, uh, if you want to talk about a live show that just you know covers all bases. I mean, if you right. need funny stuff, if you need sad stuff, if you need to jump around, if you need to party, whatever. They do everything. Yeah he, kind of, he, show. yeah, he kind of covers a gamut, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Or they do, but it's him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's true of most bands. I mean, you do have the individual personalities, but if you don't have that strong front presence, the rest of the band could be great, but it's not going to matter. But he gets, yeah, he gets stuck. Right. All right. That's, well, that's, that's uh, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about uh, one of the podcasts that, uh, that, that was suggested when we first kind of kicked this Twitter account up, but uh, I, I mean I don't know because I was gonna somebody asked me to talk about the tomb, um, but I don't I, I don't know how much time we have because I don't want this to turn into a five hour podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, we got about five but, minutes. All right, yeah, let me cram uh, everything about the tomb into five minutes. Um, <laughs> now, so somebody asked me about the tomb and, and I you know what's it like to be a tomb guard and blah blah blah. blah. 
you know, what's the daily life and you get a ton of questions. First thing I'll tell you is I always get this email from my great aunt uh, once a year. Mm-hmm. It's the one that floats around um, the, the information about the tomb, you know, facts about tomb guards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I normally go through it and I correct it all with red font, like a teacher would with your paper. And I send right. it back. I'm like, no, here's the actual truth. So, uh, I, the thing I'll, 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 maybe I'll touch on this a little bit. Maybe we can talk about it next podcast, Mm -hmm. but I, the, the handful of things that always come to mind when it comes, uh, to having had the privilege to, to guard the unknowns in Arlington and, and is one, it's the greatest job Mm -hmm. ever. And, and the simplicity of it, you're like, yeah, you just walk back and forth on a mat, but the, the standard that you're holding yourself to, and I, in fact, I referred to this last podcast, is it's it's such a high standard, and you're not doing it to look good, and you're not doing it to be cool, and you're not doing it for all the pictures. No. You, you literally, throughout your training, you, you go down, you, you volunteer to become a tomb guard. Uh, probably initially, the majority of people are like, yeah, hell yeah, man, being a tomb guard's cool as hell. And, and I get that, but the moment you get down there and into training, everything that is forced into your face and brain on a minute by minute basis is, bro, this has nothing to do with you, man. It really doesn't. Because if you can't do it, we'll just boot you and find somebody else to do it and get your ass out, clean your locker out and then beat it. Because if you can't do it to the standard that we require, then you gotta go. And you start to learn that you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the standard and the standard is for the unknowns and mm-hmm. the unknowns are you know, one of the greatest gifts out there is the unknown soldier that would sacrifice their life um, at the call of their country you know, f- for others. And so it's, it's a position kind of unlike any other relative to when you're at work, you know, kind of between the whistles, if you will, it is everything that you do is as selfless as you can make it. You know, when, when you're in training, you're doing things to, to try and uh, achieve that standard of perfection. And that's why, you know, every day in training, you have to do three hours of mirror time, which means you're in front of these huge full length mirrors that we have all around the quarters, you know, doing your rifle movies, doing your facing movements, literally standing, you know, faced away from the clock at 90 degrees, counting to 21 and then turning and clicking your heels and timing your 21s. And you do this for months and months and months. And the more you do it, the more you realize that it just has nothing to do with you. And then, you know, if you're fortunate enough to get through training and, and you earn your badge, then you're in a position of training and you realize that everything that you do at that point is to ensure that these, you know, sentinels in training, we call them Newman, you know, they, you know, it, it's their job to to maintain that standard because at some point you leave and it's just like anywhere else and it's not just the military you know your job is to to know you know two jobs up and two jobs down in any position in life but the biggest thing with this is that uh you know you have to understand that when you leave somebody else has got to be able to maintain that you know, that, that standard, that position that you were in, in order for really the importance of the job to continue. It's not about you. It wasn't about you when you were in the uniform. And it won't be about you once you leave the uniform because you can always find somebody to get there, get in that uniform and do the job, but it's up to you to ensure that they maintain that standard and levels of expectations. Uh, so when you leave, whether you get promoted or, or you just happen to leave and move on to other things, you know that you know, you've left in good hands, right? right? And you can't leave anything in good hands if you don't train somebody to do it before you leave. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can get really passionate and talk about the tomb for days, but sure. I will tell you as much as it is, looks just like you're walking back and forth on a mat. Um, it, it is, uh, it is so much more than that. Uh, even, you know, the summertime or 30 minute walks and those go by like a flash. Cause it's, you know, guard changes take five to seven minutes. So then you're down into 22 minutes of walking and, you know, there's wreath laying. So there's another, so you're really only out on the mat specifically walking for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But the importance of which you place everything is the ability to understand that 
it's the importance of things that aren't about you. That's why when you walk, you don't wear a name tag. When you when you're a walker, you don't wear rank, and it's out of respect for the unknown. So you don't accidentally outrank them if you knew their rank. So no matter what your rank, when you walk, you will never wear rank. You'll wear all your other awards and everything, and you might see dudes walking with four or five service stripes on. Those are three years at a whack, you know, that you've right. been in. But you'll never wear rank uh, out of respect for the unknowns because you didn't know their rank, so you absolutely refuse to outrank them. Um, so it's, I mean, it's it's a it's a job that that depicts a lot of um, selfless service, which I think right now is really one of the biggest not buzzwords, but buzz concepts, you know, you, you, and I think it's just bringing out some of the grace and humanity as we look around and people doing things for others. And, and whether that's actually, you know, the people out there making masks and, and companies that are, uh, that are changing their manufacturing lines to do things to, to help, you know, with, with this ongoing pandemic or whether it's just people posting things online to, uh, you know, I saw a commercial, you know, thanks for, you know, your do it yourself haircut videos and, and you know, your cooking videos. These, these, it's, it's, it's fun when you see the stuff that again, we won't talk politics right. and it's fun when you see the stuff that ignores politics and treats each other just as human beings, you know, pointed towards one goal. And that's, um, you know, just this whole human concept of doing the right thing and moving together and helping each other. And, and by, if I help this person next to me and they help the person next to them and it's kind of spreads down the line and around this group, you know, obviously, you know, we're going to be better off. So the people that go out and they hoard toilet paper and, and they, and they're, and they're selfish and they think of themselves before others, you know, this is a time where you can truly see who is in it for the right reasons and who is in it for themselves. Right. So it's 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 such a, a positive, reinforcing, loving time to see all these things happen. But you also have to be on their side going, OK, now we you know, it's, you learn more from bad leadership than you do from good leadership. Good leadership. You're like, man, I want to be like them. But I think you learn more from bad leadership when you're like, man, I want to make sure I don't do X, <laughs> Y and Z what they're doing. And you you incorporate that. And so when you look around right now, just the society, these people acting like complete morons. Right. You're just like, it would be better off if you saved your breath, didn't complain about them. Just look at them, realize that they're being morons and then make sure that you don't ever be that moron. That's <laughs> easy. Yeah, it's it's crazy how easy it is to explain yeah. a healthy society. If what's what is what's George Costanza right? We're living in a society. <laughs> yeah, just come on, man. You know, just help each other, dude. You don't have to. You don't have to give a hundred thousand dollars to help your neighbor. You don't have to give a hundred thousand dollars to help other people. You you have to be mindful of other people, and that's one of the most helpful things that you know. But I want to talk about the tomb in depth at some point. Absolutely. So, I've, I've heard, you know, what's it, you know, the daily life of a tomb guard, what's it take to become a tomb guard? Why are you guys all monks? Um, I heard if you ever spit on the, I heard if you ever spit on the sidewalk, you, you get arrested. I have heard some crazy stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll definitely go into depth on tomb. And I think that's such a great topic. And I think, you know, we do have a foremost expert <laughs> to talk about that. For sure. I, well, you know, well, yeah, as good as my memory is, I suppose. But uh, no, it's yeah, it's, it's funny. We were talking about this before we kind of got kicked up, and I, and again, we'd both be remiss if we didn't, you know, talk about Johnny Cash being such a huge music influencer, right. as labeled as a country guy. But I think his music influence was phenomenally way past, you know, just country. Um, and you talk about walking the line. You know, if you haven't seen Walk the Line, by the way, great movie. Holy, and I don't care if you like country music or I don't care if you like country music or not. Go watch it. Joaquin Phoenix is phenomenal. Oh, Reese Witherspoon so is an absolute doll. She's such a peach. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we were joking about it, you know, country music, you know, walking the line, and then everybody looks at Tomb Guard just walking a line, and just back and forth on the mat. But uh, which, in case you're wondering, is approximately 63 feet long and gets replaced twice a year. Sounds like a name of a podcast right there. So, <laughs> but we 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 can we can talk about the perils of walking on a brand new mat the moment it's rolled out because it is not flat. I bet. 
All right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we appreciate you guys listening in on another edition of the Red S Podcast. Be sure to catch up with both Roy and I on Twitter. You can follow Roy at RoyMay15, and you can follow me at Rob. Oh, excuse me, Robert underscore white 14. And of course, be sure to follow our main feed as well. We like to listen to what you guys have to say. Um, and, you know, if you are one of the fresh new people that just followed us after that follow train, we're glad that you jumped in and we're yeah. really excited that you were able to check that out. We are working on the shirts. I Dude, typed yes. them up. Yes. Yeah. So we're working on uh, just a couple of Rob again. <clears throat> Rob is working <laughs> on, on, on these setup designs. We got some shirts. Uh, we're, we're hoping to have some shorts. I had somebody ask me about stickers. That's like the easiest thing ever. We already have the logo, so we can absolutely do stickers and we'll probably throw them on some hats. I like the uh, or, old Oriole style, like kind of, you know, the, the white cap in front. So we might do some fun like that for sure. But, uh, but yeah, hats and stickers are going to be no problem. Um, we might roll out some koozies because, again, that's another one of those general things with the logo. But the shirts have some slogans, and uh, hopefully y'all will enjoy them. And hopefully by the next podcast that we record, we will maybe drop one or two of those slogans. Yeah. Because um, uh, we'll have it all kind of finalized. And then we'll get the online store set up. So, uh, so and all of that thanks goes to Rob, by the way. Um, That'll work. But uh, – but hey, thank y'all so much uh, for listening. Y'all, y'all know how to how to follow us or find us and and share us out. You know, if you like what you're listening to, share us out and and get people to follow us and, and listen. And if you to don't a, like a it, send it to of... somebody that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can <laughs> share it either way. Um, yeah, you know, if, if I want to hear a couple of idiots from class 14 and 15, you know, talking about a whole lot of nothing, it's like what what it. What it what is it from Ted? A bunch of idiots talking nonsense. And that's basically <laughs> what we're doing. So, uh, but hey, man, uh, as always, thank y'all for listening. Gig'em, Rob. Gig'em.